You're a maniac. Drown your own crew. They never liked me anyway. I bet they fucking love you now, huh? <laughs> Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. Oh, I'm Greg, and that's a terrible coffee. Oh, my goodness. I oh. just had a sip as we... What's wrong uh, with it? It's burnt. Oh, no. The beans are burnt. Burnt the damn beans. Cool your beans, Di Lorenzo. Yeah, they're burnt. I'm, I'm not going to put the uh, purveyor on blast. Yeah. I wouldn't want to shut down the Lane Cove West economy. Um, <laughs> but, wow, that is a burnt bean. 2022. How does this happen? In Sydney, we don't, we don't let... Beans burn around here. <laughs> How do we sleep while the beans are burning? Burning. Yes. <laughs> I love that song. Good song. Hey, it's a it's a funny time. It's a Friday morning. I'm going to try and I'm squeezing this in before the workday starts. And I'm squeezing this in at the end of the workday. Yeah, you're squeezing it out. <laughs> uh, you wish it was the end of your work week, but... From what you're telling me, it is not. It's been one long week for several weeks at this point. It's a Tristan Fiston this week. Yeah, Tristan's getting a Fiston. Uh, (laughs) Perfect. Um, Um, What are we here to talk about? This is a bit overdue, isn't it, Greg? (laughs) It's pretty crazy. We've done 185. Something like that. Episodes. Four. And one Steven Seagal. Yeah, which which was Glimmer Man. Yeah, um, which, which is kind of turned best. us off, I guess. Yeah, it's a funny one. I yeah, and you know Steven Seagal is a big part of my formative years um, and his movies. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited to be doing Under Siege with you today, Tristan. Me too. I as well. Keep going. Um, 1992. Yeah, that was the, was year the year this film. It's it's early 90s, man. Yeah. It is early 90s in every possible way. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in 92? So I thought for this week, last week we did some music. Music is, uh, you know, is, is always a, a sound, oh, excuse the pun, a cultural wow. litmus test um, of mm. an era. It is. Of a time. I thought this year I'd dabble in some politics. Uh, inspired by the cameo of the revered late George Bush Sr. in this film. Oh, uh, yeah. That was really him, huh? That was real footage. That was real George Bush and Barbara Bush footage. Mm. Um, so it, it inspired me to have a, a little look-see into what was happening in the geopolitical sphere in 1992. You sound like Jaden Smith. Oh, do I? Oh, my God. Like, can we talk about, like, the political and economic state of the world right now? Oh, I did say that. <laughs> yeah, and, like, what Bach's made of. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> okay. Sorry, so, <laughs> I digress. No, it's good, it's good. So, did you know that 1992 was the year that Bush uh, lost his election to... Um, the saxophone guy, Slick Willie, William William Clinton. Did he beat him? Wait, did he not have he a second term? George, mm. no single termer. Really, single termer. So 
from what I could see, George Bush didn't do a bad job as far as uh, sentiment, at least, was concerned. Um, I think Reagan got the ball rolling for the end of the Cold War and then George Sr. kind of ran with that and made some great inroads into, you know, stopping nuclear uh, targeting, just sort of just nuclear activity, man. There's a lot of I'll point my bums at you, you point your bums at me. They stopped all that between right. him and Yeltsin. I think Gorbachev and Reagan got it rolling and then Yeltsin and Bush got it. Yeah, all these names. Finalized. Yeah, I haven't heard them in a while. Yeah, they are, they're the Russian guys. Um, it was quite an interesting um, election though. So I think going into it, Bush was favourite. But Slick Willie, it was um, it was one of those unique situations where voters thought things were worse than they were. Ah. So they were like, oh, the economy. But the economy wasn't that bad in hindsight. Right. So the people were thinking, oh, things are bad. They weren't actually that bad. There was a third party, some billionaire, I forget, I don't know his name. Um, our older American listeners will know who I'm talking about. But some billionaire threw his hat in the ring, a third party guy, and he took a bunch of the votes. Oh, so he split it. Yeah, so Classic. he probably took a bunch of the votes that would have gone to the Republic Party. And people were a bit sick of um, having Republicans in power. There was 12 years of that, uh, which mm. Reagan pre, uh, pre, as a predecessor. So uh, Clinton did a good job, man. He won that fucking thing. Nice. So George Bush... Uh, wasn't around much longer than this was released. So despite being obviously the president in that opening scene with that real footage, he was gone about a month later. Interesting. Now, can you imagine Slick Willie in this movie or on the boat? Oh, my God, he would have saved the day. And he would have. He would have been right near that cake. I'm just going to hang around here for a bit. <laughs> I've always liked cake. <laughs> You're the sweetest cake I've ever seen. Did you know I play saxophone? I thought you were going to say he won the election off the back of his... Uh, saxophonist uh, flex on Arsenio. Fuck, it's kind of crazy that Seagal plays electric guitar and not saxophone because he's got a saxophone ponytail. That's that's so interesting. It's very astute on your part. It's pretty astute on my part, I think. Absolutely. I, I, was, I, I was looking to the buttons. Um, <laughs> he probably really, plays both. He's a, he embodies the saxophonist, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 exactly. I did sax. I, I was an alto saxman for a few years. Really? No. Yeah, at school I played the sax. <laughs> really? That's amazing. Um, my teacher, Mr Percival, was less than impressed with me. Uh, anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, opening some wounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 1992, big year for, for American politics. Big year for the Clintons. Big year for movies too. We've done quite a few movies from this year actually. So the number one film in the world was Aladdin, which we've covered. Number two was The Bodyguard, which we've covered. Number three was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which we've covered. Number four, Basic Instinct, which we've covered. What's number five? What was five? Lethal Weapon 3. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do it. Number six, Batman Returns, which I'm itching to do. I believe it's my favourite one, but I don't know. It needs a rewatch. Uh, A few Goodman, (laughs) Sister Act, 
Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I'm really keen to do as well, actually. Wayne's World we've covered. I am too as well. White Men Can't Jump came in at number 20 that year. We've obviously covered that. Uh, what is a quince, etc. What is a quince? But there was a little film about a little boat out there with a little cook. Came in at number 14 that year. A little film called Under Siege. The Siege came out in October of 1992. Budget of $35 million, gross of $156 million. Big movie, not quite mm. top 10 material, but, you know, top 14 ain't bad. A lot of movies come out every year, Greg, a lot of them. Yeah. Relentless amounts. Enough for a podcast. Enough for a podcast, yeah, just the right amount for a podcast. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores 79% critic score, 62% audience score. I'm shook. I, I'm shocked by this. What was sorry? Would you could could you could you repeat that? I can repeat that. Critic score seventy nine percent, audience score sixty two percent. Okay, marinate on that, and let's keep going. Yeah. Okay, I'll marinate on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm based in that. Um, a well directed action thriller that makes the most of the of its confined setting. Under Siege makes a high. <laughs> Greg's basting on video. Uh, always with the visual gags. Um, <laughs> Under Siege marks a high point. This is a podcast, right? For, yeah, a for us it is. For me it is. Uh, Under Siege marks a high point for early 90s action and it stars spotty filmography. Was this a big film for you, Greg? Uh, yes, it was, Ken. <laughs> Keep going. It was huge. Yeah. It was huge. Um, I watched this movie. I've seen this movie so many times in that era. Um, era. Oh. Um, it was a popular film in the Carney House and then mm. f- reflecting a little more, I thought it was probably one of the earliest examples of that awkward couch moment where you're watching a sex scene, <laughs> well, a sexy scene, shall we say. Yeah, boobs. With uh, boobs with your parents. Oh, no, you were talking about Gary Boosie in drag. I was. <laughs> I was not. Yeah. I was talking about the cake scene. There's a scene yeah. in this with a cake. I don't know if you... If you remember it from the rewatch, oh, I think I yeah, think our listeners are familiar. Um, yeah, where um, Baywatch star Shawnee gets out, and I think I remember my dad referring to boobs. Excuse the um, chauvinism here, as fried eggs, which kind of ah, stuck with me. I've heard that. <laughs> like ah, uh, I heard that fried eggs. I heard that once in my life, and it stuck with me too because it's not really common, right? I don't know. It, I remember, I and I was a real little kid. And I remember this other kid at school. This is so weird. This is so such a specific memory. <laughs> this other kid at school used to do like uh, little nippers or whatever it was, you know, when you do lifeguard stuff at the beach. Yeah, nippers. Yeah. And he's like, I think he said something like, "Yeah, then you know, after training, we we go check out the fried eggs." This, this kid was like eight years old or something. <laughs> like he's very sophisticated for his age. Um, check out the fried eggs. You go, you go check out the fried eggs. Dad first made the fried eggs mention at the beach and I feel like he did it here as well. Uh, maybe it's a beach thing. Fascinating. Maybe because, you know, like sun tanning. Oh, yeah. 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 So if anyone mentions eggs at the beach, you know what they're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> talking about them boobs. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it was a big film for me, a, yeah. very, a very big film. Um, yeah. And I'm assuming... Same for you. 
Yes and no. Maybe. I'm, yeah, I'm just I, to think I watched it at the time. Every year counts back then. Every year counts back then and I think like especially around this time, I mean content wasn't everywhere in those days. You either got it or you didn't get it and if you missed it, you missed it kind of thing. Like if you didn't yeah. have a friend that was watching it, you know, I, I would never hire these things directly as a child. It was not cool with my, well, you with were my eight. mom. Yeah, I was a little, little child. But I'm pretty sure I definitely watched this at Jono's house at some point. But really all I remembered was Kate Girl and sweaty Tommy Lee Jones. And that, was, that was basically all I remembered. I couldn't even remember if it was good or bad. I was just like, oh, hey, that movie exists. Like it's, it's fun, you know, Steven Seagal being Steven Seagal and – I don't know. I just never really. I was. I've never been a huge Seagalman. Yeah, I like him as part of the mix. I was a big Seagalman. So yeah, it was not. He's not the type of star that I was like. I want to see everything he does or rewatch or you know. He, he was there, watched it once, moved on. But interesting. I, but I mean, we'll get into the rewatch. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy that I've only seen this once. <laughs> I said, yeah, I texted it, Greg during the week. I'm like, it's like we wrote this movie. <laughs> it's, it's like just all of our favourite tropes all smushed into one. I feel like we could have written a better movie. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe we we would kind think we were, but it would end up like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if we had Steven Seagal, Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones, I feel like, I don't know, we should try and rewrite Under Siege maybe. Under Siege 3. Well, we can't do that because Stephen's done it apparently. But um, what he's done three? Oh, he's oh written apparently it. he's written. Yeah, he says a lot of things though. The greatest script I've ever read. If oh, who wrote does it? Sound like he yeah. sounds a bit like Trump when he, he talks. does. He's like a Asian black Mexican Trump. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> Russian. He's he's all the, he's all the, he's he has many many cultural backgrounds. Um, it's like an onion. It's layers. Oh, a cultural onion. Um. Mm. A genetic onion. Do you want to tell us a bit about the origin story? Uh, you know what? I'd love to. Origin story. Thanks, Hockey. So this is based on a spec script named Dreadnought by yeah, J.F. Lawton. Those are a bunch of words. I don't want to watch Dreadnought. <laughs> no, Dreadnought's a terrible name. Sounds like a bad computer game that... No one, only the hardcore game. Yeah, or like, yeah, like a movie with some early bad CGI, a bad Stephen King adaptation or something, or like rip off. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it yeah. feels like that kind of, yeah. yeah. Let's let's move on from the name. It, it makes me uncomfortable. Anyway, he sold this spec script, which I'm, I'm pretty sure a spec script means it's not an actual screenplay. It's more just... The name? You know, a few pages that gives you a sense of... Story the, by? Yeah, story by. That's my jam. I could do spec scripts, I think. Sold it for a million dollars. I think we've done them. Sold a specky for a mil? He sold a script that is basically diehard on a boat for a million dollars. We could have been millionaires if we were born 10 years earlier. Who did this? J.F. Lawton. So he he's no, he's no nobody. He also wrote a script, a little script a few years earlier called 3000 that would go on to become Pretty Woman. Oh, three grand for the week? I think so. Is that what? I've never seen Pretty Woman. That's so weird. I think we need to do it soon. Yeah, I'm down. I really want to do it. It's weird because it's like it's a Disney movie. It's their highest grossing, or it was their highest grossing non-animated film for a long time. It's a fairy tale. Disney movie about a prostitute. 
But I guess if you said a Disney movie it's about a prostitute, that is exactly that's true. That's true. You're not wrong, Greg. You're not wrong. It's very astute on your part. Anyway, he's ex Coast Guard. He also has dyslexia and ADHD. So it sounds, it sounds like my kind of guy. Not that I've been diagnosed mm. with either of those things, but I have my suspicions. Um, with Coast Guardism. <laughs> yeah, with Coast Guardism. Anyway, yeah. So he was ex Coast Guard, and he got the idea, um, the story by idea, uh, the spec script by idea. Uh, when he heard, <laughs> can I, that the can US, I have a guess? Yeah. He was sitting on the beach watching Die Hard and looked out <laughs> at, at a, a naval ship on the horizon. <laughs> he was sitting on a beach collecting 20% from his pretty woman earnings. 20%. 20%. And he heard about the USS Mazara being retired. So, I mean, it was it sold for a million bucks for some reason. <laughs> oh, that's and, wild. And I'm not shitting on the movie, by the way. I just mean as a concept, a spec script captures a concept, I, I think. Yeah. From what I can tell, oh, well, to so to yeah. just sell what would essentially be Die Hard on a boat for a million dollars is crazy. crazy. Good on him. I mean, get the bag, but fuck, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no, no player hating here. Like, yeah, it's just it is just a bit crazy. Yeah, because scripts don't like, sell for that much. Like, what that's, would a huge Wilson amount of money. This? Uh, wow, he'd give a few hours. Again, like context, not many scripts sell for a million dollars. Like that's pretty wild. That's right. What did um, Basic Instinct sell for? That was yeah, I think that might have been a million dollars and that was that a was, big deal. Yeah. That came out same year. Did it come out same year? Yeah. Anyway, apparently uh, Warner Brothers wanted Steven Seagal from the beginning, but he wasn't interested. You know why, Greg? Um, because he didn't believe that a bimbo in a cake is a dumb idea. Why do I want to have a bimbo in a cake? Yeah. Which is crazy because he also says, Greg, I put it to you that he suggests that the stripper was his idea. And I've got the receipts, Greg. I've got, I've got a clip here of him saying that the stripper character was entirely his idea. Bit of comedy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a young lady in the movie. Smile, man. You're worse than Encino Man. Smile. Uh, uh, there, there's a lady in the movie. Uh, who is she? Erica Leniak. Uh, not... Somebody who had a big, illustrious film career, but she did a great reading and a great job in the picture. Was she a martial artist? No, nothing like that. She uh, did some television, I understand. And uh, Baywatch, champ. Uh, yeah. She's just, you know, uh, she really fit the part. She's, see, originally, um, there was no uh, stripper teaming up with me. That was an idea that I came up with thinking that it would add a little bit of humor and, uh, you know, fun dilemma to the picture. And so we tried to make that work. So that was on Arsenio, the Arsenio show. It's a really awkward interview too because he's, he's not being crazy yet. Like he's not saying all those stupid things like get a laugh in your face. But he's just so awkward. And Arsenio is trying his best to keep it casual. It's just, ugh. But, yeah, I mean, there you have it, folks. He's, he's both said ass. that he said no to the film because of the stripper, and he's also said that he invented the stripper. So, mm. Mm. yeah, we're just you know, we all have uh, Mandela effect. You know, like different days, we want to say different things. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Some days you feel like meatloaf. Other days you don't. <laughs> right. Some days you feel like the truth. Some days, yeah. It's alternative facts. Oh, is that a was that a sweet? Cracker from Modelo. Yeah, I did just crack a Modelo. Can we get Modelo to sponsor us? I'm a Modelo fellow. I would love to. But Modelo fellow. They sponsor <laughs> the UFC. Why can't they sponsor us? Yeah, that's a good idea. Why not sponsor us? 
Yeah, we we are similar. We're into <laughs> we're both in the entertainment racket. Yeah, yeah. Dana White and I both have bald heads. That's very astute on your part. Yeah, it's true. Um, one little quote I read from uh, Mr. Lawton, the writer, which I, I think was very astute on his part in some ways. He basically says, "Well, I'll just read it, won't I?" We're trying to take him, Seagal, more mainstream, getting him out of the pure action genre and into an acting role. Actor. Actor. And I think like his original script had way too much action. And so I guess the 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 opposing forces of dialing back the action so the movie's affordable to make and also raising the acting challenge for Seagal. Uh, two two forces working together here, which I think they they pull off, man. I mean, we'll get into the rewatch, but yeah, I didn't really think well, of it like that. But when I read that quote, it is the most mainstream thing he's done, I think. Right, like he's it's a crossover moment. Well, yeah, and yeah. he is only in it for thirty minutes or so. So <laughs> he spends most of it in the fridge. And my pa's out of the oven. <laughs> there are a variety of accents in this movie, as as one would expect. Oh, yeah. there is. Um, <laughs> sorry, continue. Uh, and they bring in a director named Andrew Davis, who's the name of a friend of ours as well. He enough. is, friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. Uh, he also directed, not our friend, but this uh, this other Andrew Davis, directed Ab- Above the Law and would go on to direct The Fugitive. Anyway, Pish Bash Bosh, she goes sell for movie, rap party down at the, uh, the, the part of the ship with the drinks. Those were party poppers. <laughs> those, those, those were party poppers. All right, let's play the trailer. <laughs> It was the final voyage of America's mightiest battleship. What's on this helicopter? This little sweetheart. Miss July 89. God, I love this business. I love you. The party was wild. Love you today. They really knocked them dead. Imagine this arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons falling into the wrong hands. The Pentagon never did. Four minutes ahead of schedule. Damn, I'm good. Now, a team of terrorists have taken over. Wake up the president. But there's just one thing they didn't count on. The cook. Are you like some special forces guy or something? No, I'm just a cook. Oh my God, we're going to die. coordinate your efforts with us yes sir i see that you completely disobeyed my orders roger that ryback is an ex-seal expert in martial arts explosives weapons and tactics i also cook the nimitz is tracking two tomahawks just launched from the missouri where are they headed honolulu Happy trails. Steven Seagal. I know you, don't I? Tommy Lee Jones. Been a long time. I'll see you in hell, Santa Boy! Under Siege. So they knew each other and he didn't have a, he didn't have a pseudonym. So when he said, Ryback, he's a cook. At the beginning, he's like, send two. He's like, I'll go do it. He goes, no, no, just send two men. It's Ryback. He would fucking know who Casey Ryback was. He'd go, Ryback is on this boat. Send 30 oh, yeah. men and waste him. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, good point. I'm not here to poke holes in this million dollar. Million dollars, yes. Specky. <laughs> it's a Specky. What do you want? You, you finish it. Give me the mill. 
love this guy. So Christopher Nolan is the king of the specky, really. Is he? Well. Because he's got really, no, this third act always sucks. The, the end is always like, uh, bookcase. Um, yeah. It was all a dream. Um, yeah. Give me the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead wife. It was always a dead wife. Uh, what happened in this Tom. movie, Greg? Tom. Uh, well, as we saw, that was a good trailer. That, that was, was a good great trailer. trailer. It was a very good trailer. Um, so with full respect to the late, great Don LaFontaine, I will just give a bit more uh, meat on the bones. Mm. Um, the HMAS Missouri is gearing up for decommission, Tristan. She's been on the front line of many world moments. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, she covered well in the opening sequence of this film. Mm. But it's time for her to... Rest her weary head down at, probably at Fort Lauderdale or Pearl Harbor or something. But not before providing the setting for a high-stakes showdown with terrorists. And an unlikely hero, Casey Ryback is a cook. Petty Officer Ryback. He's a cool guy. He can do a range of accents. Which one is his actual voice? We don't know. He's a chameleon. <laughs> Coincidentally, it's the captain of the ship's birthday. Ryback is cooking his birthday cake, but Commander Krill says he's got special catering coming in for a surprise party. Krill isn't a particularly likable guy. Ryback punches him, so we know Ryback's cool. (laughs) Ryback gets locked up in the fridge. So the party gets underway, Tristan. It's it's an all-boat affair. Commander Krill dresses in drag and assassinates the ship's captain. We then learn that the entire band and catering staff are actually terrorists. Mm. That's their tricky way of getting them on the boat. And they've taken over the ship, Tristan. One of the ageing rockers in tow is Tommy Lee Jones, a.k.a. Stranet. He's a disgruntled black ops soldier. And he's grumpy at the Pentagon because they tried to kill him. So he's taken over the Missouri with a view to offload some of the Tomahawk nuclear weapons onto a sub that he stole from North Korea to sell to some Arabian chaps, I believe. Mm. Uh, but they didn't bet on one thing, Tristan. Oh, yeah. Always bet Casey on black. R- Casey oh. Ryback. Always bet on Ryback. Right always bet on right back. Yeah. I think he's black. <laughs> he thinks he black. is sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> he's not any cook, Tristan. He's a dishonorably discharged VC Purple Heart Death Lord. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and he's going to stick around this floating Nakatomi Plaza and get in their way. That's that's a good voice. That's good. Uh, So along the way, he finds Shorty from Baywatch. She makes a real entrance. Uh, Now, to make matters worse, Spanix and Stranix and Krill, they start flooding the section of the ship where they're holding the crew hostage in a bid to lure Ryback and his merry men and Shorty. Oh, yes, I didn't mention he found some guys in another part of the ship. They help him. Now, to make matters worse... Oh, wait, no, better. They shut down the Missouri's weapon system to let the SEALs on board, the Navy SEALs. Now, to make matters worse, the submarine guys were waiting for those guys and they shot them in the missiles and they blew them up. Now, you with me? Mm, I'm still here, I'm here. Because this is where it gets complicated. Uh Uh-oh. Stranix gets very frustrated with this situation. So he... Fires off a couple of tomahawks to Hawaii. Why Hawaii? I don't know. Like, what? Did he, uh, why would you go to? Why would you shoot Hawaii? Mm. 
Come on, man. Hawaii's a paradise. Which island? Oahu? Maui? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, now, to make matters worse, the Pentagon plans to blow up the Missouri, you know, to sort of, well, we're going to take that thing out. So you got Ryback and Stanix, they're having a slappy, slappy knife fight. A few sped up scenes. <laughs> uh, Ryback's basically securing his third Victoria Cross as we speak. He's like, I'm going to get another medal. That's what he's thinking. Yeah, the EGOT of military, I think, is what he's shooting Correct. for. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, he fucking saves the day, man. He saves the day. And sure with a does. touch of genius improvisation, he <laughs> passes Shorty. Oh, does he? Why did I miss that? He's of like, course yeah, he does. I'll show you. I'll show you some moves. And he just passes us. She didn't ask for it. She's just standing next to him and she's hot. So I know. put it to you that that's the part that he came up with. He didn't come up with the whole character. He came up with, yeah. Well, I did hear that he had, he tried to wedge in a sex scene. (laughs) Have you heard that? Oh, my God. I I haven't, but it does not surprise me. I mean, he's got. I have heard on the winternets that he tried to put in a sex scene on the boat. I mean, we've we've heard that he's a pretty gross human, right? Um, Which I guess we're going to, for the purpose of talking about his film, I guess we'll try and separate it because there's allegations out there. Of, There's a few allegations. Um, yeah, um, I'm just not picturing in what world yeah. would that make sense for this Navy SEAL warlord, uh, sorry, warlord. Chef Lord. Death Lord. Just stopping for a quick boning session. I mean, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Yeah. Uh, so that's the movie, Tristan. That's what happened. Uh, did you Did you follow that? I followed most of it. Did you follow it? I followed most of it. I did watch the film over like three sittings though because the work – the work week's been a little wild. Actually, maybe I'll just say that at the top. This is one of those movies that, as I mentioned, I haven't seen a whole lot. I know this is a classic. And after watching it once, well, once again, since the first time, I wholeheartedly agree. What a fucking great movie. And I wish I could have watched it twice. And I feel like I need to know it more. I feel like such a noob when it comes to this film. But fuck, I love this movie, Greg. This is a perfect movie. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's within so good, what it, it is, within what it is, yeah. like for 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 what it is, it is perfection. It's high art. It's just fucking great. It's better. It's better than I thought it would be. It overdelivered big time. I thought, oh yeah, it's gonna be good, but it'll you know, like uh, I don't know other other <laughs> other Steven Seagal movies good like, but this is good. Good. Well. I'm not being very articulate. I just enjoyed it a whole lot. I enjoyed it so much. It spoke to me. I'm happy to hear that. I think I I messaged you when I started watching it. Oh, yeah. uh, Sunday I was like, this movie. uh, It It hits all of our notes. It's so so authentic as well. Like it, you know, we talk about does it hold up. Like it's just really well put together. Yeah. I think I was was reflecting on that too. That opening half hour. Yeah, so this Andrew Davis fella um, and, and that comment from Lawton about, you know, taking him mainstream and that, uh, obviously he went on to The Fugitive, the director, like he, he's a good director. And I think just the fact, like in Less Capable Hands, this movie could have just been another like oh, yeah. and, but But it is elevated. It's just good polished. And it's uh, it's 
I mean, uh, we can get into some diehard comparisons a bit later. It's obviously of that very specific subgenre, and I wouldn't put it as high as diehard, but I would also put it in a slightly different sub 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 category of that too, where this is a bit more diehard's even more elevated, but this is more just like a good down and dirty action movie. It has it is a rich tapestry of all the tropes we hold dear. It it's got Boosie. I forgot Boosie was in it. I thought he might be a good guy because I couldn't remember any of it, to be honest, other than Kate Girl. I thought, oh, wow. maybe there'll be a reluctant partnership there or something. But I oh, know he's just a straight up bad guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, you really, this was a fresh, this was fresh. I think it was from Predator 2, though. I think I had that in my brain because you know how mm, he seemed like he yeah. was kind of in the way, but actually he was a good guy and then he gets cut then in half. Disc, then he gets disc. <laughs> he gets all frisbee gets in the, the gut. City, gets the C, city rom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking great movie. Like uh, it is, maybe it's not like as if we wrote it, but it is almost as if like it's made for us, <laughs> very specifically for us. Um, it, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on, but how, how was the rewatch for you, Greg? It was a treat. I um, I would say, and I don't think it's a reflection on the film, probably just more I was tired. I fell mm. asleep like – in about three quarters in, three quarters in, it gets quite dark and I was watching on the couch on a Tuesday night or, or something like that and I fell into like a deep slumber and woke up <laughs> three hours later on the couch, which is... That's crazy. I didn't even remember dozing off. It was weird. So I rewatched the end last <laughs> night and go, oh, I actually missed quite a bit. Yeah. And the, and the final quarter is so tropey, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd really enjoy this movie. It's a classic. It's – so my observations in the rewatch were, whoa, he's actually in it heaps less than I remember. Yeah. He's in yeah, it Tommy Lee Jones has more screen time apparently. Tommy Lee yeah. Jones has significantly more screen time. Yeah. Um, which I'm okay with because yeah. Tommy Lee Jones is a lord. And he's great in this. Like just the two – to have those two bad guys in one movie. Yeah. Being both unhinged, I was thinking a lot about um, Batman Forever because when we watched that, it was like Tommy Lee Jones, and there wasn't room on on well, in my opinion, there wasn't room for both Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey on set in the film because they were both uh, yeah. meant to be these big, you know, loony personalities, um, and I feel like he just got over out loonied by. Carry so much that his role was a bit weird. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's obviously a little bit less loony. There's no Jim Carrey. So I feel like they were just too crazy. I don't know. They just hit the right notes as loony, believable, loony bad guys. I I was thinking about that too. It is almost, it's a little two-face-ish. His performance in this is a little bit two-facey. Not so much literally. I mean, I guess there is a little bit where he's pretending to be someone else and being nice or like, there's a few extremes in his behaviour, but uh, just in the kookiness, yeah, it's it's similar, but yeah, not as wild. Not, yeah. not he's not trying to keep pace with the wackiest man in Hollywood. Well, he kind of is because Gary Busey is arguing. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> off off camera, at least. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. They just hit the right notes, man. Um, I had a bunch of questions about the mercenaries. I'm fascinated by the mercenaries in general. But these guys, like, 
How do you find mercenaries? I'm not sure how you find them for starters. <laughs> um, it's not my space. But do you, when you're looking for mercenaries for a particular role or a job, mm. do you get like a CV? Because I'm just wondering how he found guys that were also very talented musicians, blues musicians. That's a good point. I guess on LinkedIn you could probably see, you know, I've got the podcast on my LinkedIn, so maybe yeah. there's some people out there that's like, uh, 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 I'm a I'm a mercenary slash saxophonist. Yeah, slash harmonica. Yeah, harmonicist. I, I did have, speaking of that, Greg, I did have an alternative pitch for this movie where a bunch of mercenaries get together, they start a band in order to take over a military ship, but they actually fall in love with making music. <laughs> now that's a movie. Are they called the Killers? Yeah, there you go. That works. Sorry, that was, that was not good. <laughs> they were a pretty mediocre band. Actually, no, that's not true. At first, the band, I was like, what are they even doing? They were just kind of just tottering about. But then they actually did a song and it was okay. But for a while there I was like, who hires this band? That's fucking insane. But, yeah, I mean, it all made sense eventually. Uh, But also speaking of um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' bad guy, I noticed a really weird subversion of a trope here, which I feel like may have been... A Seagull, I'm purely speculating it, a Seagull note um, where Seagull at the end sort of does what's traditionally the villain's monologue. Do me a favour, tell me something. You really think blowing up a bunch of innocent people is going to change anything? What made you flip like this? I got tired of coming up with last-minute desperate solutions to impossible problems created by other fucking people. All of your ridiculous, pitiful antics aren't going to change a thing. You and I, we're puppets in the same sick play. We serve the same master. And he's a lunatic and he's ungrateful. There's nothing we can do about it. You and I, were the same. Oh, no. No, 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 no. There's a difference, my man. You have faith. I don't. It's usually what the bad guy says. You know, we're not so different, you and I. Yeah. You know, we just, you have your way of doing things, I have mine. But we both, you know, there's that kind of thing. But he says that. And it's so weird. Do you reckon it was Tommy Lee Jones' line and Stephen Seagal goes, I That's what I think. That. He's like, well, why are all these words under his name? I should be saying things. I feel like that's genuinely what would have happened. Yeah. 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 I, I, I believe you might be right. <laughs> Hey, it was great to see a knife fight, though. I tell you what, that was fucking sweet. Yeah, it's enough to make you want to go out and buy a knife. <laughs> Greg keeps buying things while he watches movies. Oh, look, I might have, I might have been watching Us, the Jordan <laughs> Peele horror. Is that horror? I don't know if it's horror. Yeah, elevated horror. Elevated horror. And, you know, I might have had like a bottle of wine and I might have been on the couch thinking, what is my, you know, home security? <laughs> so those of you that have seen the film would understand that, uh, you know, a man's just trying to protect his home, his family. Yeah. So if I you thought, have to kill what have I got? Greg. Yeah. 
if other Greg rocks up, what have I got to protect <laughs> my family from other family? So yeah, I bought a I bought a baseball bat. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Okay, hang on. Oh, I can see it. I think I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking random. <laughs> yeah, look at this thing. That's good. Back, it's, it's a bit phallic. <laughs> <laughs> How know, did you choose I- it? Is there a category of bat that is actually a weapon, not not for baseball? No, they're all for sport. Um, okay. I don't know. I've got a size two one. It just looked cool. I noticed you haven't wrapped barbed wire around it just yet. No, no. Oh, okay. um, as the movie went on, I might have bought a machete, but that's not yeah. the point. <laughs> I say to Greg, that's lucky the, the movie didn't run any longer. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been on the dark web yeah. <laughs> getting a Kalashnikov. <laughs> But, you know, uh, Leafy Lane Cove, you gotta, you got to be careful around here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where were we? What were we talking about? We were all over the place, but I've got something I wanted to talk about. I think oh, this movie, Greg, I think what I really enjoyed about it was I was kind of enjoying it on two levels. Like simultaneously I'm watching this sincerely enjoying Steven Seagal being really good in a good movie. But at the same time, watching Steven Seagal is just inherently funny. <laughs> like, just I just I don't know. I just while I'm watching it, all I just have all these random thoughts in my head about what's going through his head at this point. You know, does, is he think he's going to get an Oscar for this? You know, like I just feel he's so self serious about it. it. It just makes me really uh, happy, and it, it and I think the tropiness of it. Again, it's all my favourite tropes. Tropes can be good, tropes can be bad. Tropes can be conventions of a genre and in this case I think it's a great – they're stitched together in all the right ways. But this film is is kind of simultaneously a perfect action movie and almost a parody of action movies a little bit because it is so – everything is so note perfect that it feels like it's almost a, a, a commentary – <laughs> on the genre, yeah, it's just it's just perfect. Everything is just <clears throat> just right. Like if I was to write a parody of Die Hard, it might not look that much different to this. And I don't mean it in like that the movie's dumb or anything. It's just it is both of these things simultaneously somehow, and I love it. Mm. It's great, and he's good in this. Like I, I forgot that he's he can be good. Right. Like I don't like him generally as a human. But, but he's good in this. I can't, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, he's good. He's, it's cheesy, but he's got. There is something there. There's definitely something there. I think there's also a moment in time here that this film captures. There's these two opposing trajectories, right? Where his <clears throat> maybe his charisma is declining, and then the opposite side, his weirdness is increasing. A- and this was a great apex point where those two things were intersecting. It was weird enough but charismatic enough for this movie to be really interesting and then, you know, later on he just goes too weird and not, you know, he goes off course. I don't think I'm the first person to say that. He's He's on on his his course. course. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, But, man, what a movie. What a movie. And Erica Eleniak, she was good in this. And Was she? I think she was good. Well, I don't know. All I remembered was her jumping out of the cake as, as in my memories because, you know, how do you forget that? But I, I thought she came through. She was a much more significant character than I realised and she had yeah. things to offer. I thought she was pretty fun. Yeah, I'm glad she's in the movie. Um, yeah. 
I know. Like she she saved him at the end. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. She taught the guy from Blood in Blood Out how to cock a pistol. Oh uh, yeah. Is that um the guy from Breaking Bad? Tuco? I don't know. He wouldn't know. Greg's the one person that hasn't seen Breaking Bad. Someone's gotta not see it. <laughs> That's not true. Well, hey, do you remember? She was she was also in ET. She's the girl he kisses in the classroom. Yeah, I don't. He frees all the frogs. I read that. Yeah, she oh, was obviously in Baywatch as well. Greg and I started watching Baywatch a few years ago when we we're trying to do TV shows, and we didn't quite crack the right way to do a TV show without watching you know, every episode five hundred hours of Baywatch, which you know I'm happy to do, but every week. <laughs> Some people stand she um she was a big deal um for me yeah. you might have had uh Tealioni. I had uh, she well this was Tealioni was a few years later that she was definitely a big deal then she, her whole aesthetic is very much kind of a time capsule like that is such a the look was just takes you right back yeah although i would say as well those brows think, are back in fashion exactly like she, her look is kind of back in a big way She's she's on trend, baby. Yeah. She was also in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Do you remember that? Yeah. I <laughs> Isn't do. Isn't that crazy? So I, I, I think I mentioned this too before. Greg. I've been trying to oh, think we of- should you do know, that. Yeah. You know how we keep thinking of miniseries ideas because friends of the show like the miniserieses gives us, you know, some some anchor, some, some, some common threads across episodes. One I, I really like the idea of is like movies you forgot existed and that would be one of them. There was a Beverly Hillbillies movie and it was kind of a big deal for a few days. Yeah. And I would add to that like Bicentennial Man, the air up there, Nell. Bicentennial Man is unsettling. I've never seen it, but these movies, big budgets, uh, big IP, (sighs) some of them, and then they just kind of fizzle. I'm really interested in revisiting them because they're pure time capsules because they have no legacy whatsoever. Oh, also, side note, side note on Erica, you know, they describe her as Miss July 1989. That That is also the month that Eleniak was Playmate of the Month in real life. Congratulations, Erica. Congratulations, Erica. Congratulations. She was engaged to Billy Warlock, who was Billy in Baywatch. Yeah, in Baywatch, yeah. They had an off-screen romance oh. that we were all behind. We were... We were all behind it. They were the Tom Holland and Zendaya of their day. Ah, oh, that's very good. It's very good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, they they're not together. Well, she met Philip Golgia instead. Oh, they yeah? got married and they got divorced after six months. Oh. Mm. Oh. He's a celebrity trainer now. Who's a bodybuilder? Philip Golgia. Golgia. Oh. Bol- okay. Bol- no. Bolg- Bolger. Malabolgia. Yeah. Well, she, uh, you know, she's probably, she's probably lived a great life. I hope. Mm. We don't know much about her. Do we know much about? I don't know much about her. That's that was all the things I know about her. I think she, when I looked at her, you know, filmography, televisionography, is that a word? Who knows? Um, it did kind of taper off. I mean, she's still working, but stuff that you haven't heard of. But you know, it's a living. Yeah. Um, I thought she was really good in this and I loved her in Baywatch back in the day. Yeah. That's all I got on her. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about her again when we do the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, well, let's let's do that. Let's do that. Um, yeah, it's nice to read some funny things. 
about this film. I, mm. I I was delighted to hear that the drag get-up that Gary Busey wears was Gary's idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just come out in drag is what he, I assume he said. Um, and who's going to say no to Gary? No, Gary, no. No one. <laughs> no one's going to say no to Gary. You don't, right? you don't say no to Gary Boosie. You say yes and. Yeah. Yeah, if you do, you'll be wake up dead, um, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why? I got another question on these mercenaries. <laughs> yeah. When they arrive, they they shoot some people, but others they don't shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you give me any mercenary insight to who gets to live and who gets to die? I get the shoot the guy in the line to, you know, get everyone to behave. But when they arrive, some people are just herding in and then others they pop, pop, they kill them. I mean, if if I understand films correctly. Have they got the guns? Is that the? Yeah, yeah, maybe. My understanding has always been very unrealistic but based on movies. Uh, that you know, every man's got to have a code, and like a mercenary uh, usually has a code. But I agree, there seems to be no method to the madness of who gets to die and who gets to live. Yeah, uh, it was quite upsetting when the guy, the junior fella guarding Seagull in the fridge, died. That was a bit like, oh, yeah. Aww. I mean, he was he was kind of an idiot, I guess. Yeah, but you know, I, I, we don't want uh, him to die for no reason. The, the clothes, I'm a bit confused. Like those two guys were in quite traditional sort of, you know, coverty get-ups with the dark beanies and other guys are in chef's uniform. How many mercenaries were on the boat? How many bad guys were there? They, they seemed to – there was lots of them, it seemed, and some were some were chefs. But then these guys, how did they get on the boat? Because they weren't in chef's gear. Yeah. They were in yeah. like – they were there for no good, obviously. Like there was no mistaking their purpose. Yeah, the numbers seem inconsistent too. Like just overall premise-wise, I don't know how a small group can take over a whole warship. Yeah. It's a warship. It's full of trained people who are ready. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds of soldiers. And you had a, you had a helicopter fall. I mean, I guess they had the the up on them just in terms of having a plan and stuff, but still. Yeah, I'm just not sure. Like it's not like a it's not Nakatomi where you've got – you know, a little couple of office workers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, at a Christmas party. Like these are trained professionals. Uh, actually, on that note, speaking of Nakatomi, this is maybe the best example of diehard but insert scenario, which is basically a subgenre. Um, so this is diehard on a boat, basically. Uh, but I think even within that, some of the very specific elements also translate. Um, you know, he's just a cook. Uh, in Die Hard, yes, he's a cop, but he's very much an everyman kind of cop. It's not Arnold. It's not Stallone. Yeah. It is, of course, uh, um, you know. Brucey baby. Brucey baby. We have a very serious actor as the villain. That's, the you know, the common principle again. Uh, the old one-man army trapped in a very specific location, of course, uh, and then, of course, Seagal added a stripper, which is a big differentiator. It's his idea. And, and Tommy Lee Jones says happy trails. Like that has to be an Easter egg, right? Does it? It does too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's got to be it. That's good. Anyway, I also wanted to take – let's take a little tour through the subgenre okay. that is 
diehard clones. So I've got a list here um, that I found on the internet, the old World Wide Web. Um, okay. So these, are, these words are not my own. Well, they are. These are my words. But this list is not my own. Uh, toy Soldiers. Remember Toy Soldiers? Die Hard in a School. I guess that's true. Pots and Pans. Pots and Pans. I don't remember that. I remember the you list. You don't remember the line Pots and Pans? I vaguely. I really like, want to do that He's like, Pots and Pans. The guy's like, Pots and Pans? He's like, yeah, I'm in trouble, so I've got to clean these shit up. Like he gets detention. He's like, and then he goes, oh, Pots and Pans. Fuck, I want to watch it so bad. Can we do that soon? I love that movie. I watched it so much. Oh, Under Siege is on the list, of course. Die Hard on a Boat. Uh, Passenger 57, Die Hard on a Plane. Otherwise known as Die Hard 2. <laughs> yeah, Die Hard 2, Die Hard on a always, Plane. Always bet on black. <laughs> <laughs> Cliffhanger, Die Hard on a Mountain. Uh, kind of, but I'd say we're getting a bit broader there. And, of course, Sudden Death, Die Hard, die hard on a Hockey, on a hockey Arena. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I would say they're probably the Holy Trinity, right? Die Hard, Under Siege, and Sudden Death. Like, that's a good movie marathon. Fuck, we could have done a whole miniseries on Die Hard clones. That would be fun. Mm. Get a bit repetitive. But, you know, we'd really zero in on the tropes. Could be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. We've done them all, but yeah. Yeah. With that lens. With that lens. There's actually a bunch of them I've never heard of. Uh, executive decision that sounds familiar, but I don't know. and the Rock, of course, Air Force One, Con Air, Con Air is on the list too. Die Hard on another plane, <laughs> put the money back in the bowl, uh, etc., etc. There's just so many. That's the crazy thing. It's it's White House down. They're still we going. We already talked about. We already talked Olympus about Pretty Woman, fallen. of course. Pretty Woman, Die Hard and a prostitute. I guess I don't know. Skyscraper, that the Rock one. <laughs> Fucking hell, man, that guy. <laughs> the Rock, man, The Rock needs a good movie. Seagal has a good movie. If we, 30 years from now, what is a movie led with The Rock as the leading man that is a classic? There's none. Steven Seagal has one at least. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that. He doesn't have Hob- one. Hobbs and Shaw. Ba-bow. Toasty. I mean, I don't feel that strongly about it, but it just occurred to me. I think that's broadly true. Jumanji. Eh. They're, they're, they're okay. Oh, wait. That jungle one's all right. The one yeah. where, the, yeah. The one what about Stifler. the one with, yeah. That's good. The, that's oh, before, the, he, before he started, like, overly curating his image. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was good. And the other one that he goes to, Walking tall or whatever, or he goes back to his town and then they're taking the drugs and he cleans up the town. I haven't that seen one. that one. So that's not Vin Diesel? I'm not sure. I think it's called Walking Tall. Walking Tall. Hey, check, I mean, we can't, we can't really um, do Steven Seagal without just talking about some weird Steven Seagal stuff. I mean, we went pretty deep last time, so go back and listen to that episode if you want more. I think we're all very familiar with Steven Seagal weirdness, but I tried to, you know, narrow it in on stuff related to this movie. And I looked up a few interviews. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't remember exactly what this clip is, but in my note, I've said, what a strange response to this question. Cause it can't be dangerous being a public figure as well. We've seen that before. Yeah. I mean, that's 
not one of the things I can complain about is fear. I'm banned. Comfortable. I'm frustrated. I might be unhappy. I may feel as though it's um, you know, stifling me or any one of many things. But fear is not something I usually feel. Have you ever felt that your privacy was invaded? Oh, every day. Every day. I mean, people stalking you in parking lots and just that. They want your picture. What is it they want, do you think, from you? They want you Sometimes, doing something bad, maybe? or Well, I mean, you know, everybody wants something. Sometimes they want to make a lot of money off you. That's the most common thing. Mm-hmm. And the way they do that is by getting a picture and making something up, you know. Uh, you had an affair with one of the sheep on the ranch or, you know, one of the ugly girls that, you know, is better looking than the sheep. or They'll make up anything. It just, you know. Oh, he's in love with a sheep. Oh, he had an affair with oh, the sheep moving, on his ranch. he's moving in with his sheep. What are you talking about? That's such a weird, specific place to go to, right? the fuck was that? <laughs> what, a, what a strange human... <laughs> It's so weird. And I found another one. So like something I like to do, which hasn't, it's never really manifested as a segment in the pod, but often um, stars of these movies we do of this era get have interviews that are on YouTube by this lovely older woman named Bobby Wygant. Wygant. And I always Can think it's a good test face? to see how if they're nice to her or not because she's a sweet old lady. And when you see them really warming to her and being lovely, like, ah, oh, good egg, good egg. And this guy, fucking, <laughs> he doesn't smile all that much. I mean, he's not rude, but the reason I want to, the clip I want to play, though, it's pretty funny. He's talking about the casting of uh, Gary Boosie, and he talks about it in sort of a strange way. So you had the project, then did you go looking for Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey, or how did they come into it? Well, quite frankly, I didn't have the project. This is a project that Warner Brothers had tried to get me to do for years, and I had turned it down numerous times. And when it became apparent that that I was going to make it, uh, we sat down and we cast it. And... uh, you know, I thought that Tommy Lee Jones was very interesting for the terrorist uh, and, and that he's a wonderful actor. And then Gary, Gary Busey. Gary is somebody who really wanted to do this movie. And we had a lot of different people in mind. It was the only character where the director and I, you know, sort of um, had different ideas on who would be best for it. And, uh, you know, we looked at Gary. Gary wanted to do it so badly and he was willing to compromise in any way he had to, to get in. And uh, we felt that uh, he would be unusual for the part, but that he would be very interesting and certainly uh, the qualities that we had hoped for, uh, he was certainly able to fulfill. <laughs> so weird. Well, Gary, Gary reckoned, it was Gary that said... Uh, he was looking to add in the love scene so he could really uh, – that would be unnecessary. Um, I wonder if the love scene was with him and Gary. It's interesting. I, I, those two humans, they would – I guess you go either way. They could – if you told me that they met each other and became the best of friends, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me they met each other and they absolutely hated each other, I wouldn't be surprised. That's right. I think Gary's more of a good dude, right? He's just crazy. As I understand yeah. Did you know mm-hmm. that apparently Pamela Anderson was in the mix for 
Erica's role. Really? Yeah. Um, and she said she found herself in a casting couch scenario. Oh, no. And, uh, oh, fuck. Yeah. Steven and then Seagal he there. was like, yeah, you got to do these things. If you don't, the other chick over there is going to get the role. And she's like, okay, I'm, I'm not down for that. Wait, how bad are we talking here? Like, well, yeah, I don't, well, I don't know the details. Tristan, yeah. I don't want to, I'm not going to go on the record making claims. I'm just, uh, just repeating ref- something I read, which was that she's, she felt she was in that type of situation. Yeah, okay. Uh, and the role went to Erica, but, uh, and not her. Um, so, you know, there's always a bit of, there's, there's a bit of rumors and, um, speculation around, uh, Good Stephen in these sort of situations. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Was that a Stephen thing? Because I was thinking, man, absolutely, he'd be like, yeah, I believe so, heavily involved in the casting of that role. I could, I could totally see that uh-huh. in the creepiest possible way. Like, man. Now, interestingly, we've um, he's he's known for his accents. Um, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah. Um, did we talk about that in Glimmer Man? We probably yeah, did. we did. Yeah. He, um, in various ways, shapes and forms, he has um, various accents. And I felt the first 20 minutes of this movie when he's in that kitchen, he's, I can't tell if he's putting on accents or if he's not sure what character he's going to go with for the movie. I mean, there's that one scene where I think he was supposed to be mimicking Gary Busey. Why is it now that I'm starting to shake so bad and there's this deep, deep fear in me? thinking about Mr. Creel and all the horrible things he could do to me. <laughs> we'll just see what we'll see, won't we? Yeah. But yeah. then he's also, when he's jostling around with the other cooks, he's... Yeah. Anyway, suffice to say I was a bit confused, but it was fascinating given where his accents have gone in later years. <laughs> I think the foundation of all people has to be where we come from ultimately. And ultimately where we come from is the divine. I uh, am a little bit Asian and my father was a Russian Mongol, so these people are Russian Mongols. Vladimir Putin. You have Italian descent? Yeah, I have some Italian on my mother's side. And... Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? I don't know what color I am, but I know one thing. In the blues, like I said, there was no color, but also I was the only one that wasn't black that I knew that played exactly like them because I was raised with them. I didn't learn from a record. I think I understand that Ryback, the character's name, is uh, a, a nod to his Polish roots. Ah, which I assume he has in addition to his Native American and um, Afro-American. And, Asian. Um, other Asian and Japanese. Um, Ryback translates to fisherman. Mm. Um, it was his way of paying homage to his Eastern European heritage. Um, his mother's maiden name was Fisher <coughs> and Ryback means fisherman in Polish. So... He's uh, he's 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 um, a lot of layers there. Yeah, complex yeah. human. Yeah, there's a lot of layers. It's it's yeah. He's he's so fascinating, and he can play the guitar Absolutely. very well. I mean, I would have liked to have seen a, that come through a little more in this role. I feel like <clears throat> Ryback 
Um, <clears throat> I think the world should have seen. What's his music. album called? Welcome to my Crystal Cave or something. Yeah, something like that. Songs from the Crystal Cave. Fuck, it was pretty close. <laughs> I thought it can't be that. Yeah, that sounds insane. Crystal Cave. <laughs> ah, should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, it's a good movie, Greg. Um, all right, big picture stuff. Anything fundamentally break in the current day? Uh, not in any, like, m- movie-killing way. Any datedness to this movie adds to the charm, in my opinion. Um, it's a perfect 1992 time capsule in terms of some of that stuff. FX test, pretty solid stuff, man. We've got real boats mm. and real yeah, strippers. It, um, they're obviously not on yeah. Missouri, but it, it felt so yeah. real. It felt quite grand. It felt it felt big budget. It felt expensive. It felt legit. That opening sequence, they did, they did it really well. Good on you. Yeah, good on you, Davis. Um, representation, Bechdel test, No. No. Ray Spectel, no. I think it's like, yeah, I think it's a firm, like a detractor yeah. of the Bechdel, shall we say. Yeah, although in saying that, at least they made her a a, a, a character-ish. Yeah, she saved the day. She saved the day. True. But there's no, don't, does not pass the Bechdel though, fundamentally. There's only one character. But it is on a warship, so I guess they would have, I don't know. I don't know. Cultural relevance. Did Simpsons do it? Not that what I could find. There may be some like, you know, smaller references, but there's no big episode China about it. Yeah, I was thinking that. But that's almost more a Top Gun thing. But it's probably a bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's definitely not it. I just felt like singing. <laughs> porn porn parody. I don't think so. Uh, I reckon there would be. I didn't look. I can't look anymore. I've been scarred. I Google tentatively. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> I can't tell. It just looks like porn to me. I don't know if there's a theme here, but I mean, there was there were results. Um, <laughs> overall thoughts: Whoa. Is it a rewatch? I mean, for me, it is 100 percent a rewatch uh, to the point where I need to rewatch it again very soon because I I feel like I didn't even absorb all of it. It's been just such a crazy week at work, but man, I loved it. Mm. Perfect movie me i don't think it's a perfect movie but it's a perfect movie for me pretty interesting um scoring going back to the yeah, top of the, right? of the show when you called out the critics versus audiences i, I thought it'd be the opposite yeah i thought it'd be the opposite and i thought audience would have had it higher mm. but you know big time we can't make up the numbers we can't the numbers are the numbers the numbers are the numbers, the numbers. you can't make that up uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Greg. Um, MVP? I'm going to go with um, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, it's pretty hard to argue with that. I'll go with that too. I'll give a low-key MVP to Erica. Uh, she's a good part of the mix for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
What are we doing next week? Oh, we may, we have some scheduling challenges next week, so we may we may need to delay yeah, we next do. week's episode. Um, it's your Thanksgiving, yeah, and I'm going to Tasmania to play golf. Yeah, big golfer, don't you know? Big golfer. <laughs> I'm not, but it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave Carol here with the kids and the baseball bat. Nice. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we'll uh, we, maybe you won't hear from us next week, but the week after, you certainly will, and we'll be all over the socials as per usual. I don't know. Maybe I can do a Q and A episode if that's of interest. Let us know. Uh, till then, see you soon. Yeah, and take care of yourselves and each other. And then we're going into Christmas. Yeah, Christmas episodes. Yeah, festive. We're getting festive. We'll still do, we'll still do the game though, right? Let's still do the game because we're running out oh, of yeah, Christmas movies anyway. First, we'll do the course. game, and then we'll do like two Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweet. All right. Uh, Bye. Bye. Mr. Seaver Cigar, try to watch me, I can't say one. What is y'all? So I'm sending for Leah the Sark, I have done no more raw. You see me? So. Girl, would you really want that name? You want the body if you make me feel nice. Why? Tell me what you really want all night. No one's a banana, see for me, my name. Me want the body, him want the banana. I mean, no ain't nice. So. When the girls start to strut, you could look at them, but you shouldn't do that. The girl dress is just a pity, not just there to cover her kitty. When me a fling it up, you better not to back it up. When me a dash it up, make sure you black it up. If you ever flap it up, then me a go lock it up. Pack it up like Benji who a drop. So, me want the body if you make me feel nice. Why? Tell me where you really want. All night You want the banana See if I make me nice Me love the way you walk Sometimes the way you talk Is so hot Now you know Let's have a shot of rum Then me can make you come With me to the ocean That would be fat You can be my bow cat Nice idle breeze Bring it to your knees Good jamming Yo, this a girl and I blow me rather wind up slow When me turn it around, you have to come to my row In case you never know, me star me who and true Me tell you from start, me no go down low Let's do it all night from the left to the right Say my name, Steve, you tell me how it nice It's quite alright, water run from the pipe I love it like that, but I won't bite so, Why not slow when me turn it around, you have to come to my row
Vladimir Putin 